Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. talking sports and having fun doing it. I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. And, of course, as always, you will get a heavy dose of my opinion. If you have an opinion, the number to call, 646-727-3070. That's 646-727-3070. You can listen to the show at blogtalkradio.com slash pgant. That's blogtalkradio.com slash pgant. And get some messages to the show on Twitter at GoForItGant, G-O-F-O-R-I-T-G-A-N-T. Also, also, you can send messages. We're on in the chat room at blogtalkradio.com slash pgant. You can send some messages there. We can chat it up, talk sports, have fun doing it. And, and, and make sure again, you hit us up on Twitter at GoForItGant. Great show lined up for you today. Expected to be joined by actor, singer, and lifelong Knicks fan, Leon. And he's going to come on in, talk about his Knicks, talk about his album, his single that is out right now, and, uh, have a good old time talking about that. Uh, his Knicks right now are struggling, three and five at this point. Um, Tyson Chandler out for an extended period of time, so it's a struggle right now going on with the New York Knickerbockers. Also expected to be joined by safety for the Pittsburgh Steelers, Will Allen, and the Steelers coming off in a performance, a bounce back performance against the Buffalo Bills, where they beat the Bills twenty three to ten. So we're going to talk, and they have a big game tomorrow against the Detroit Lions, and believe it or not, the Pittsburgh Steelers still have an opportunity, uh, especially the way Cincinnati's been playing, the Pittsburgh Steelers still have an opportunity to get to the playoffs and do some, you know, who knows what can happen. I mean, the Cincinnati Bengals have been an inconsistent football team throughout the course of the season, so you look at it, now the Pittsburgh Steelers, if they can start stringing off, you know, reeling off some victories, I mean, they beat the Bills, and then they have the Lions who are playing some good football, so it's going to be a tough football game for the Steelers. But, you know, they have opportunities. They play the Bengals again. They play the Ravens one more time as well. So they have an opportunity. They play the Bengals again. So right now you're two back in the loss column. If you can stay around, if you can get to one back in that loss column and, and you play the Bengals week 15, you have an opportunity now to get yourself back in contention and get yourself – Give yourself an opportunity ultimately to win the NFC North. So we're going to talk to Will Allen about that. Also, we're going to be joined by three lovely ladies from the organization Pace Mom, and, and this is an organization uh, made up of mothers, of professional athletes, and entertainers. We're supposed to, we're expected to be joined by the mother of uh, Bernard Pollard, Regina Rushing, also the mother, the mother, excuse me, of Wade Smith, Sheila Smith, and also the mother uh, of former NFL player Terrence. Torrance Marshall, Gloria Kettles-Thomas. So 
we're going to talk to them about the organization pace and get their thoughts on player safety because I kind of want to get their thoughts on, you know, your son's out there playing a very physical game. You want to get their thoughts on how they feel about it, how how, how does it make them feel seeing their baby boy out there playing uh, professional football, playing a very physical game and, and playing a game that can really, really cause you permanent damage in your life. So we're going to talk to those mothers about their great organization and some of the things they do in their organization. But right now we're going to start with the whole situation, Jonathan Martin, Richie Incognito. Uh, Jonathan Martin yesterday met with NFL officials for seven hours, uh, giving his side of the story, giving the investigators his side, telling them what happened from his end. And at this point he has not given a public statement um, pertaining to what may have happened on that particular day, and what, well, days, I should say, years, I should say. So, you know, seven hours, he met with NFL officials, came out, gave a short, brief statement, and then, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, he gave a statement, and at this point, the investigation continues, and at this point, uh, you know, you're going to hear more things about this whole thing. It, it, it seems to be creeping out day by day, week after week, and, you know, you're, you're at least my, you know, my thoughts have changed throughout the course of this whole time. I mean, you know, I initially started out, my first in, uh, in thoughts were when I saw the, heard about the voicemail, and, and she, Richie Incognito called Jonathan Martin the N-word in that voicemail. When I heard the voicemail, my first thought was, okay, we have a racist amongst us. Uh, Richie Incognito is a racist. I mean, that was my initial thought when I, when I first uh, read the text messages and, and, and saw all those things. I was saying to myself, this goes beyond hazing. And then, as I you know, reading the text messages, but then as the story started to creep out, as the Dolphins players started to come out in support of Richie Incognito, white and black players coming out in support of Richie Incognito, I started to t- my my views started to change a little bit, and, and I started to think maybe this is just a part of football culture, and and then I I, I look at football culture and 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 thinking about football culture in terms of what may have happened with Incognito and Jonathan Martin, I think about jailhouse culture and. In jailhouse culture, a lot of times you're going to have to prove your level of toughness. You're going to have to prove that you're a man. You're going to have to prove the type of person that you are. You've got to prove some things. And it's not everyday normal culture that we deal with. It's not the everyday thing. I mean, it's not. A football locker room is much different than a 9-to-5 office. You know, it's no comparison in a lot of ways. There are a lot of things that go on in that culture that those outside of the culture can't understand. Well, may never understand unless they enter an NFL locker room. So the reality is, as I started to go on and started to go on and started to hear these things, and, and then Richie Incognito gives his interview. I hear his interview. I see his interview. And as I see his interview, I, I, he comes off as believable to me. You know, he comes off as believable to me. I know, hey, Rich Incognito may be not the nicest guy in the world. We've heard about some of the incidents he's done. He's obviously not the nicest man in the world. But, but, you know, you have a lot of things that came out. The coaches, reports that the coaches came out and said, you know what, we need you, Richie Incognito, who is one of the leaders on the leadership council of that football team. We need you to toughen up Jonathan Martin. We need you to toughen him up. So that comes out. 
and you start to say, okay, maybe this is not as bad as I originally thought. And, you know, initially, Incognito to me was a racist. After hearing the support that he get from the black players, I moved away from that. I, I, I moved away from that. So initially, Richie Incognito was, Incognito was a big-time bully. But then the coaches come out, then the reports are coaches come out, hey, we need you to toughen this guy up. Those are the reports. Then I moved away from that. So as this whole story is evolving, I find myself just charging this whole thing to the game, to the culture of an NFL locker room. I'm charging that to the culture of an NFL locker room. And that's where I'm at at this point. The more I read about this story, the, the, the more I say to myself, it's just the nature of the NFL culture. And, you know, maybe it was a situation where Incognito may have went too far, but Incognito was told to toughen him up. I mean, as I, and Incognito came out last week, interviewed with Jay Glazer of Fox Sports, and, and hearing him talk, I, 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 you know, and saying, you know, it came out, and it was proven that these guys exchanged thousands of message, text messages. So, obviously, there's a level of friendship here. There's a friendship here. It could be an abusive friendship, but it's a friendship nonetheless. There is a friendship between Incognito and Jonathan Martin. Again, it could be an abusive friendship, but it's a friendship nonetheless. And as I see all these things, as I look at all these things, I'm ready to start drawing conclusions that at the end of the day, this story is much to do about nothing. And again, we haven't heard Martin's side yet. We, we, we haven't completely heard Martin's side. So there's going to be more that's going to come out about this story. A lot more that's probably going to come out about this story. But I look at it again at this point, at where it stands, where it stands. This story is much to do about nothing to me. It, it really is. It really is. And, and again, again, maybe Jonathan Martin felt bullied in that particular culture. Maybe. Reports where his agent reached out to, to the general manager, Jeff Ireland, of the Miami Dolphins. And Jeff Ireland, reports were, told him to, to fight him. You know, and that's football culture. That's jailhouse culture. Stand up for yourself, you know. Stand up for yourself. And, you know, when it came out, it was kind of hard to believe that a 6'5", 300-plus-pound man could be bullied. Could be bullied. I mean, that, that just didn't sound right. This doesn't sound right. But, I, you know, as, again, as the story progresses, as the story continues, as the world turns, as the world turns, and as the story starts, my opinion changes. My opinion changes and has changed. It, it has changed. But at this point, we'll see what happens. But you know what kind of put me over in terms of changing why I felt the way I feel at this point, that I don't think this story really is much to do about nothing? What changed it was I read an article um, on MondayMorningQuarterback.com, teammates uh, 
Lydon Murtha, one of the teammates of uh, Incognito and Jonathan Martin for the Dolphins, a guy who's on the inside. He's on the inside, so he, he knows better than you, me, and all of us. He's on the inside. He's seen it day to day. And you look at it. Obviously, as far as I'm concerned, Jonathan Martin, whether he bullied or not bullied, handled the situation the wrong way in terms of just abruptly just leaving. I mean, that's not something you do when you have a job. You don't abruptly just walk out of your job unless you don't want to be employed anymore. That's not something you do. It's not something you do. That's not the way you handle that kind of things, those type of things as a professional. You don't. Now, again, whether he was bullied or not bullied, there are better ways to handle that. There are better ways to handle it, and I think we all can agree with that. There, there, there was a better way than just storming out. Many guys, a lot of guys who were on the inside in the National Football League, a lot of ex-players are saying, you know what? He handled it the wrong way. You know, he, he handled that whole situation the wrong way. It should have been left inside. They should have policed it themselves within the locker room. The locker room should have policed it, not the NFL. A lot of people believe that. You heard a lot of ex-players saying that. This was a situation that should not have gotten out to the public. Maybe that's true. Maybe that's not. But, again, these are guys who are in the culture. These are guys who are in the NFL NFL locker rooms. These were those guys. They were involved in NFL locker rooms. So when those guys say that, okay, it becomes crystal clear in a lot of ways. It becomes clearer. What may have happened here? And, you know, I don't, I don't want to dismiss. But here's the thing. When, 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 when someone comes out with the word bullying, when you, when you hear that word, and I, I spoke about this before, but when you hear bullying, when you hear that being said, a lot of people are quick to jump on that. A lot of people are quick to jump on that. You say bullying, people are quick to jump on it. And I understand why. I get that. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. We've we, we, we got to be careful. We just can't call everything bullying. We can't. We, we just can't call everything bullying. We can't. Because everything is not bullying. It's not. This situation may be, maybe not bullying. And right now... Richie Incognito has become almost a poster child for bullying. You know, he's become the face of bullying right now. And, again, I'm not saying Richie Incognito's a good guy, but I'm not prepared to call him a bully at this point. I'm not. But, again, this story could change, and it may change, and it has changed. But I look at, you know, Lydon Murtha, excuse me, and Lydon Murtha, excuse me, can't even say this man's name right. But when, when I, I read his article, Monday Morning Quarterback, he was a teammate of both Incognito and Jonathan Martin. He talked about the $15,000 that, you know, Martin had to pay, and he, didn't, he ended up not even going on the trip. He talked about that. And, and here's what he said about the $15,000 trip that Martin paid for. 
Quote, every year, as tradition, the offensive line goes on a big Vegas trip. Everything is paid for in advance, from hotels to a private jet to show tickets. Martin originally verbally committed to the trip, then later backed out after everything was booked. Now, if you can't go because of an emergency, that's okay. But to say you're not going and then you decide you don't want to spend the money later, everything was paid for. And then when it was time to pay up, he didn't want to go anymore. You don't do that to your brothers. The veterans who paid for it, including Incognito and others, asked Martin for his share, and he gave it to him. End of story. Now, it makes more sense. It makes the $15,000, it makes it more clear now. Because initially, you said, okay, this guy took his fifteen grand. He made him pay for a trip that he didn't even go on. Made him pay for a trip that he didn't even go on. Now, you hear that, and your initial thought is, wow, this, this sounds like bullying. But after Martha explains the story and, and gives you background behind the fifteen grand, you say to yourself, okay, I get where Incognito and the rest of his teammates may be coming from. I get where they're coming from at this point when they say that. I get it. I get it. In this article, Martha goes on to talk about the situation in the cafeteria that sent Martin over the edge, where events, where the teammates sat down with Martin, and they would all get up and walk away, and leaving Martin there by himself. Quote, and, and this is Martha's side of the story when it comes to that particular prank. The silliest part of the story to me is the incident at the cafeteria in which Martin was supposed to have been hazed when everybody, everyone excuse me, got up from their seats as he sat down. Whoever leaked that story failed to share that getting up from a packed lunch table when one lineman sits down is a running gag that has been around for years. It happened to me more than once, and it happened to Martin, because guys on the team say he was overcoming an illness, just like when a guy is hurt. The joke is, I don't want to sit with you. You got the bug. Perhaps for Martin, it was the straw that broke the camel's back. But when Incognito reached him after he stormed out, Martin told him the departure had nothing to do with Incognito. Martin said it was something else. Then the media onslaught began. So, and Martha, I mean, Martha says he has a relationship with Martin, says he has a relationship with Incognito, but he doesn't talk to those guys on a daily basis. But the, the, the whole prank that sent Martin over the edge, obviously it's a prank that has been going on in Dolphins locker rooms. The Dolph, obviously it's been something they've been doing for a period of time, long period of time. A lot of people have been doing that for a long period of time, and, and the Dolphins have done it to others. Players have done it to others. So it, it's not something, obviously, out of the ordinary. It's not. It's not something out of the ordinary. But, again, you know, you look from the outside looking in, you're saying, wow, they really put this guy through it. Wow, this is crazy what they're making him do. Fifteen grand? He didn't even go on a trip. 
Fifteen grand he has to pay. He didn't even go on the trip. <laughs> wow. Call him the N-word and text mess and, and the voicemail? Obviously unacceptable. But again, when teammates vouch for you and say you're not a racist, black teammates, I, I have to t- tend to side with those teammates. I do. I'm starting to think this is a situation where um, Richie Incognito, again, was told he had a job to do, and that job was to toughen up Jonathan Martin. In the midst of toughing toughing, uh, Jonathan Martin up, maybe he went a little too far, maybe he did. Maybe he did. It seems like maybe he did. But, again, he had a job to do, and he did that job any means necessary, it turns out. Unfortunate, obviously. And I, I do think moving forward, is, it's interesting to see. I think publicly, in the public, the court of public opinion is siding with Jonathan Martin, but I think NFL locker rooms are siding with Richie Incognito, especially the Miami Dolphin locker room. I mean, a lot of those guys think he should, still should be back playing. So we'll see how this whole story turns out. And, and obviously, I think this kind of stuff has been going on in NFL locker rooms for many, many years. It's almost like the bounty, bounty gate situation with the Saints. We all knew that bounties were a part of NFL football. We all knew it was a part of the culture in NFL football. We all knew that. Um, but the reality is, the reality is, when, when those kind of stuff and that kind of thing gets out to the public, you know, obviously the public is going to view it differently because the public is not a part of NFL locker rooms, and they have no experience with NFL locker rooms. So obviously it's going, the public gets a hold of things, and they're going to talk about how barbaric and how crazy and how strange this stuff is. But if you're not a part of the culture, you wouldn't understand. And I, and I think, you know, you look at the whole incognito and Martin friendship. We're not a part of their friendship, so it's kind of hard for us to understand how friends could talk to each other this, in this manner. But I'm sure, you know, I, I can vouch for it myself. I mean, uh, you know, my, if you looked at some of my text messages, and I think if you looked at a lot of people's text messages and some of the messages that they send to friends, if, you're not, if you don't understand the context of the way that – if you don't understand the context of what's being said in that message, then you're going to have a certain reaction to it. What might be funny to me and that particular person that I'm talking to probably won't be funny to you because you don't understand it. You don't get it. It's not meant for you to understand, not meant for you to get. It's not. It's not meant for you to understand. It's not meant for you to get. And that could be a situation here. I don't know. But these guys have exchanged over 1,000. Well, let me give you the exact number, 1,140 two text messages between in the past year between Jonathan Martin and Richie Incognito. That, to me, sounds like a friendship. That, that, to me, sounds like you guys are boys on some level. That's your boy on some level. On some level. And, and Incognito said it, you know, Jonathan Martin left him a text message saying that he was going to kill him. 
So Johnson and Richie Incognito also went on to say that Johnson Martin, he has heard Johnson Martin use the N-word within the locker room. And Martha, Lydon Martha, says that guess what? I've heard Johnson Martin and Richie Incognito, I heard, you know, Richie Incognito say it to Johnson Martin in front of everybody. And Johnson Martin just laugh it off. Could be abusive friendship. Could be just how they get down with each other. I don't know. But none of us really, really know except those two, Jonathan Martin and Richie Incognito. Those are the only two that know this whole situation. Those are the only two. We'll see what happens moving forward. And let's stay on this. We're going to – I think it's a perfect segue into the whole situation with Matt Barnes of the L.A. Clippers and his comments on Twitter the other day. He had an interesting tweet using the N-word in public, on Twitter, social media, for everybody to see and to read, for everybody to read and to see. And, you know, obviously that kind of text message, I'm sorry, that kind of Twitter message, it's not something that should be tweeted out for public consumption. But here's what he tweeted out. Uh, This was after he got ejected for his uh, incident with Sergi Baca the other night where Oklahoma City and the L.A. Clippers got uh, played the other night. But here's what his tweet was. I love my teammates like my family, but I'm done standing up for these N-words. All this ish does is cost me money. All this ish does is cost me money. I'm done standing up for these N-words. Um, and then you had Charles Barkley come out, you know, Michael Wilbon come out and say, you know what, these, this is a word that is used as a term of endearment among blacks, and this is a word that is used as a term of endearment among friends. And, yes, I, I get that. Yes, I understand that. Um, I am one who uses the word a little bit. I don't really use it like that. You know, I don't sit here calling my friends N-words, what's up, my N-word, and, and so on and so forth. I don't do that. You know what I mean? That's just not what I do. But I do say it occasionally in context, you know, with people who are African-American. I don't believe, this is just me as an African-American, this is just my personal opinion. I don't believe use, and using that word in mixed company. I don't believe that word should be used in mixed company. If I'm a black man amongst uh, whites uh, and, and any other race, I don't believe that word should be used. That's just me. That word should not be used in mixed company. That's just the way I deal with the word. That's just my belief when, I, when, it, when it comes to that word. I don't believe that word should ever be used in mixed company. So I would never use that word um, if I was amongst different races. I wouldn't use that word if I wasn't amongst, if I'm with African-Americans only, then I'll use the word, but I don't use it like that anyway. 
But if I'm going to use the word, I'm going to use it again, not in mixed company. I don't believe in using that word in mixed company. I don't think it should be said amongst mixed company as an African-American. That's just my opinion. But others, you know, disagree. You know, they have white friends who, who are okay with you, who they use the word with. I've seen it. I've seen it. I don't like it. I don't think it should be done. But I've seen it. I understand it. I get it. doesn't mean I think it should be done. And, and, and so I think, you know, and it brings up, you know, obviously, especially with the whole Jonathan Martin incognito thing, it, it just brings up an interesting dynamic. And, you know, obviously you go into an NFL locker room, you go into an NBA locker room, heck, you, you're, you're on courtside watching, watching an NBA game, you're going to hear that word. You're going to hear it used. You are. Again, and I understand the use of it. I just don't think it should be said amongst mixed company. Just my opinion. And Matt Barnes says, you know what? He's not going to stop using this word. Matt Barnes says this word is okay in context. I get that. I get that. And Matt Barnes' quote said this, the word I use and talking about the N-word is a word that's used on the court, used in the locker room, used amongst friends and family. It's a regular word to me. I think my mistake was using it in a social manner, which I regret and I apologize for. But you guys have to get used to it. I don't know what he means by that, get used to it. I don't, I don't know if I necessarily like the get used to it part. Um, it's not something that should be said on Twitter especially if you're a guy like Matt Barnes, who's a professional athlete who has the stage that he has, who's working for a corporation. The NBA at the end of the day is a corporation. So you're not going to be hearing people calling each other N-words at a corporate function. And what I mean by that is, you know, I look at, like, being on Twitter and, and, and your social media, tech, uh, Facebook, things of that nature. You can't say that word on Twitter as an NBA player. You can't use that word on Facebook as an NBA player. Just, you can't. You work for a corporation. You have to keep a quote-unquote corporate image on some level. Obviously, it's sports, so, you know, it's a little different. I understand exactly what Matt Barnes is saying. And if he wants to continue to use it amongst his friends and, and, and family, I'm okay with that. That, that, that's what he wants to do. That's what he feels comfortable doing. I get that. But it's not – I don't like it being used, like I said before. I, I hate it. As an African-American, I hate it being used amongst mixed company. I hate the notion of A, E, R. I hate all that. There's no difference. Whether it's E, R, or A, it's no difference. Is there a difference between a store and a stove? It's still a store, Right? Store, stove. I'm going to the stove. I'm going to the store. It's still a store. If you're, so, if you say ER, if you just say A, using the N word, it's still the N word. Still offensive to me. Especially in mixed company. When I hear it, I cringe when it's amongst mixed company. It should not be said, in my opinion, amongst mixed company. It should not be tweeted out. And obviously Matt Barnes knows that. 
It shouldn't be. It can't be. It's unacceptable. There are certain words that if you're part of corporate America, you just can't be saying in the public. So I don't like it, especially in front of mixed company. I do use it, but not like that. If I use it, I use it almost in a joking manner. But I don't use it like that. But a lot of people, you know, it's okay to a lot of people. Not okay to me. Not okay to me. Um, Doc Rivers said, quote, there's a new generation, but I don't know about an acceptance. That's fine. I don't like the word, but that's just me. I don't have a rule on certain words, I swear. I say all kinds of things. It makes some people uncomfortable. It doesn't make others uncomfortable. And that's the way it is. And then there's some truth to that. Obviously, there's a, there's a population, a, a group of people who are comfortable using the N-word. And there's a group of people who are uncomfortable using the N-word. I side with those who are uncomfortable using the N-word. I'm uncomfortable, especially in mixed company. It just does not, I just have a problem with it in mixed company. That's just me. That's just me, just my opinion on this whole situation. But, I mean, you wonder now, moving forward, obviously it's an interesting discussion, and obviously you're going to get various opinions on this discussion. But as far as I'm concerned, as for me, as for me and my house, I'm not using that in mixed company. I'm not going to do it. You can do it if you want, but I'm not going to do it. I'm not. I'm not going to do it. You can do it if that's what you feel, if you're okay with it. Matt Barnes, if you're okay with it. Charles Barkley, if you're okay with it. Uh, Michael Wilbon, if you're okay with it, you can continue to use it. So we'll see what comes of it moving forward. Barnes was fine. So I'm sure, you know, listening out on that money is not going to – it's definitely going to change him using that word on Twitter. It's definitely going to change – On Twitter, I don't think we're going to be seeing Matt Barnes using the N-word on Twitter ever again. Ever again. We'll see what happens moving forward with that story. When we come back, we're going to be bringing in now a guy who, big football game tomorrow for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and we'll see. Are the Pittsburgh Steelers legitimate, legitimate, or do they have a legitimate chance to win the AFC North and ultimately get to the playoffs? We'll ask Will Allen, safety of the Pittsburgh Steelers, when we come back. You're listening to Go For It on Block Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Go For It, Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat, and the Knicks have had... Some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but 
That doesn't mean anything when the playoffs come. When the playoffs come, it doesn't mean anything. I was trying to throw uh, you. you know I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your nah. your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist <laughs> too, man. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that you know. We know that you can tempt married women. We've seen you. You, you have a pedigree. We see what you can do. We've seen it. I would never bring my wife around to. I yeah, just don't know what you're capable of. Come on now. Come on now. That's all right. That's not Roxy. <laughs> That's called butter. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're Thank- very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. <laughs> so- okay. Hey, what up? It's Corey Almeida, a.k.a. Corey Live, host of Picturica on the Hub and warm-up host for American Idol and Dancing with the Stars. And right now, you are listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio with my man, Paulie G and Jeremy. Get it! Thank you, And we're back. We're going to bring in a guy now. Big football game tomorrow, Pittsburgh Steelers, Detroit Lions, Pittsburgh Steelers. Two games behind the Bengals in the loss column. So an opportunity, you know, the Bengals are stumbling a little bit. So it's an opportunity right now for the Pittsburgh Steelers, if they can get it right, if they can make a run, to possibly win the AFC North. And one of the guys who's going to be a big part of the Pittsburgh Steelers possibly winning the AFC North is safety, Will Allen. Let's bring him in now, safety for the Pittsburgh Steelers, Will Allen. Will, how are you, man? I'm good. How you guys doing? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. No problem, no problem. Well, you guys, bounce back performance last week against the Buffalo Bills. Defensively, you guys played better. Talk about the performance of you guys on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, you know, we, we did a we just did a good job of disguising, man. We did a good job of uh of uh of getting some pressure on the quarterback. Which was which was good, man, and uh, you know our secondary played a lot better. Our linebackers tackled better. We was able to stop the run. Whenever you, whenever you make a team one dimensional, um, it, it helps it helps uh, the rest of the team. Uh, our linebackers and D line did a great job of stopping the run, man. And um, uh, you know we stopped the uh, you know uh, the running backs they had. You know were really good. We knew we had to stop them because once they got going, you know they were averaging over 100 yards a game rushing. So we we knew we needed to uh, slow them down in that area. And, uh, and make the game one-dimensional, we were able to do that. And now, uh, the week before that, you guys had a rough defensive outing against the Patriots where you gave up 55, 55 points, excuse me, 610 total yards. How much did that motivate you guys to have that bounce-back performance against the Bills on the defensive side of the ball? Uh, you know, because that's not, our, that's not our makeup, man. That's not our character. We did a lot of uncharacteristic uh uh, things on the field, you know, not not finishing plays, not being disciplined in the back end, and not stopping the run, you know. And everybody took it personal in practice uh, the following week because we had to, you know, we 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 won two straight, then we blew up. We had a blow up game against New England, and you know, credit to them that they played well. But we knew we we knew we needed to bounce back because uh, we played so horribly against New England. Right. And you guys did that against the Buffalo Bills. Well, you got in there in the second half there on the defensive side of the ball. Shamarco Thomas went out. You came in. Were you happy with your play against the Bills? Yeah, I was, I was pretty satisfied. You know, um, okay. you know, since returning back to Pittsburgh from Dallas, I hadn't played much defense. 
primarily on special teams. So to get back out there, you know, I, you know, I started um, eight games last year for Pittsburgh. You know, so it was good to be back out there with Troy and um, and, and Ryan uh, Timmons and you know just everybody, Ike Taylor, uh, Will Gay. It was good to you know have all that have all that experience, have all that uh, you know just the, the 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 just the way we flowed and the way we played. It was it was really good to get. It was really good together, and you know, hopefully we can. We can uh, we can keep that going, you know. But you know, Shamarco's a huge asset to us. We need him. He's a good football player. Um, so you know, we, we're, we're praying for his health. Now, Will, you're back in Pittsburgh, and, and your teammate Antonio Brown singled you out as one of the guys who are challenging players in the punt return game. We, we saw some good things out of the punt return game against the Buffalo Bills. What are you saying to motivate your fellow special teamers out there? Uh. You know, just take it personal, man. Everybody and everybody getting their blocks. Everybody, you know, understanding the urgency of what it takes. You know, we're at, for the past for the past five weeks, we've been one block away from taking it taking it to the house. I mean, if you go review right. the tape, you'll see it. But literally, for the past five weeks, that's what it's been. Um, so, you know, we want to we want to score touchdowns. We scored a, we scored some of those touchdowns, man. That helps our team out tremendously. That's a momentum swinger, and uh, we we need that. We need that big time, man. And Antonio. You know the effort he puts in. You know returning those punts. You know he he, he makes a lot of guys miss. His escapability is tremendous. So man, we just we just urging guys to play better. You know. We're talking to safety Will Allen of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And Will, earlier in the season, you went to the Cowboys after spending three seasons with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Ultimately, they would let you go. In your mind, what happened in Dallas with Will Allen? Uh, I'm I'm not sure, man. You know. Um, okay. You know, it must not have been a good fit for them. You know, I felt like I was doing everything they asked me to do, if not even more. You know, I felt like I was, you know, bonding with the players, and we had a, you know, a great relationship. And I was, I felt like I was leading those guys. Um, you know, I think I played well the first two games, and they sat me for whatever reason. You know, um, they want they wanted to play JJ Wilcox, and JJ Wilcox is a tremendous player. Uh, he, right. You know, he's a rookie. You know, with, with tremendous talent, uh, he's going to be a great player in this league. Uh, but now, you know, it's, it's just the way of the business, man. They want to make a business decision. They feel like I wasn't the guy, and which is hard to uh, which is hard to understand. But some things is not meant for me to understand. Uh, but you know, as as you can see, they they're having some problems in their secondary and in their safety mm-hmm. at their safety position. So, you know, it's just it was. Uh, I guess it worked out for the best. And you know, here I am back in Pittsburgh, and I'm and I'm, I'm thankful and I'm I'm grateful for where I am. I guess it was just meant to be that you were supposed to be a Pittsburgh Steeler at the end of the day. At the end of the day, it was. <laughs> <laughs> now, you have the Detroit Lions coming to town. Of course, that means you guys got to find a way to limit the great Calvin Johnson. What do you guys need to do to limit Megatron? Uh, we just got to play sound, man. We play sound. Like you said, it's about limiting him because you can't stop him. You know, it's not about right. stopping him. He's, he's, too, he's too athletic, too big. Um, you know, and you just throw the ball up, the guy catch it over anybody. But you know, limiting him to getting the big, the big plays, the big chunks. You know, make make sh- shrinking his game down would be uh, help us out, help us out a lot. Uh, so you know, we know uh, the quarterback relies on him a lot. You know, and um, if uh, if we can if we can limit him, limit him in, in some some capacity, that'll help us out, man. And, you know, but the team they're, they're strong offensively. They got a lot of weapons. Yeah. You know, they can put yeah, up yeah. points. And um, you know they got a gunslinger, so it's uh it's, it's going to be fun. It's, it's a fun test. This is what the NFL is about. You know we should get excited about this. I think a lot of people, you know, go into the game 
wondering, you know, and, and putting so much emphasis on um, on a, on a, um, on uh, Calvin Johnson, which they should because he's so talented. But they forget, like, it, it should be a, uh, an exciting matchup. It should be a fun matchup. These are the, the competitions and, and the games that you want to play in. And uh, that's, I think we're all excited about that. You talked about Matthew Stafford being a gunslinger. You have a gunslinger with Big Ben, Ben Roethlisberger. A lot of talks throwing around Pittsburgh about the future of Big Ben in the Steel City. You played for the Steelers for a few years now. Can you envision the Steelers without Big Ben? Uh, he, he's a he's a he's a pillar man you know, for our team. You know, he's he's won two Super Bowls, won multiple playoff games. You know, his record has been great. Uh, you know, I just I just think you know, you know, I, I really can't envision him not being there. You know, but I, I mean, I those are all rumors. You know, rumors are you know is meant to be talked about. But you know, he's he's a stiller today, and you know, who knows what will happen tomorrow. Now I look at you guys two games back in the lost column to the Bengals in the AFC North. A lot of people are writing the Steelers off at this point. I look at you guys, I mean, two games behind in the lost column, and you have the Bengals one more time. So there is an opportunity, and the Bengals haven't really been playing great football the last few weeks. In your mind, how legitimate are your chances to win the AFC North? Uh, it's very legitimate. I think you got you have to remain optimistic. You have to go out and give your best best effort every week, you know. This is this is we're still this we're still we still have talent, we still have ability, you know, we still got a lot of juice left. And um it's a long it's still a lot of games to be played, you know. So we just gotta take one game at a time and let everything happen the way it's supposed to happen. If we take one game at a time, um and we go out and execute and play the way we know how, you know, we'll be right where we need to be at when the, when the chips are all down at the end of the season. Now, you're in that locker room day in and day out. You sense that there's still confidence and the belief that you guys can get it done and ultimately get to the playoffs? Absolutely. Everybody's still optimistic. Everybody's optimistic, man. We, we, you know, and everybody still has belief. You know, like I said, it's a matter of taking one game at a time, understanding the big picture. It's just everybody coming together and fighting fighting as one. Right. And, you know, and, that, and that, again, that, that goes back to my point of, you know, trying to get guys, and, um, and, and getting more urgency out of our punt return team, you know that little bit of effort, that little bit of that little bit of spark, you know, we get a touchdown, you know, that helps our team, that boosts our team, that boosts our morale. Like I said, that's a momentum right. swinger, and um, that can help us in, a, in the long run. We're talking to Pittsburgh safety sealer, excuse me, Pittsburgh Steeler safety Will Allen, and Will. A lot of talk around the NFL, the whole Jonathan Martin, Richie Incognito story, at this point still a very fluid situation. But I want to get your take on it. As a player, do you see this whole thing changing the way hazing is done in the NFL? Uh, you know, it should be some, some, uh, some repercussions for, for situations that, are, that go too far. And, uh, and in this situation, whether we you know, we know or not what, what the truth is, um, I think personally, I think it went a little too far. Um, okay. You know, but I'm not. I'm not the legal, legal, um, you know, binding, um, you know, person that can, you know, lay the hammer down. You know, that's up to the commissioner and the NFLPA to come to some type of, come to some type of agreement. But um, it, it, it does go too far. I mean, you you see it in you know marching bands at black colleges. You see it with sororities right. and fraternities across the United States. You see it. Um, in our in our middle schools and our high schools, um, you know, people are dying, people are committing suicide, 
um, you know, you see it at, at the workplace in a, in the business world. Mm-hmm. You know, where, where people may be either you know hazed or putting putting a lot of pressure on themselves, or you know, and you know, but it's you know, at, at some point, you know, you have to you have to have some type of reign about it. The locker room has to take care of it. The people, the leaders, or the team have to understand when is enough enough. You know, so. Um, it's, it's really it's really a fine line. It's tough because you want you want to have an edginess about your team. You want to have a toughness about your team, but you don't want to pummel guys into submission that that you call your brothers that you want to go to war with that you want to you know go to battle with. And I think that, that that's where the fine line comes in because you know you want to, you want to build something that is rugged, that is rough, that is they know how to handle adversity, but there's right. there's methods to that. Now, Will, you're you're a very intelligent guy, and I, and I want to get your take on this. I mean, we had the whole situation, Matt Barnes tweeting out the N-word and talking about his teammates. You had Charles Barkley uh, backing him up. You had Mike Wilbon, in some respect, backing him up. How do you feel about the use of the N-word in NFL locker rooms? Obviously, it's a word that is used in NFL locker rooms amongst African-American players. But what's your thoughts on Here's my personal opinion on it. I don't believe, as an African-American, I don't believe the N-word should be used amongst mixed company. That's just my opinion. How do you feel about the use of the N-word in the NFL locker room? Uh, you know, I mean, I, you know, a lot of, a lot of us uh, African-Americans have used it. You know, I've, I've used it. Um, mm-hmm. But the truth is I don't think we should, you know, um, whether it's mixed company or at each other. It was used in a very derogatory term, in a very explicit, uh, wrong, 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 wrong usage, and we've embraced it as a way to 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 change that connotation into something positive amongst amongst each other. Um, but um, I just, I, you know, I just, I'm just, you know, kind of, I'm kind of over it after, you know, after all this, because now it's be, now that we use it so loosely, other 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 races. And other right. other people believe that they can use it in the same light, and it means the same thing. But it's extremely offensive, you know. And why isn't it offensive? Because I say it, I take liberty. Because, you know, as as an African American, you may take liberty to think it's okay to say it because that's who you are. But we were labeled, but we were labeled that in a derogatory, negative term, in a way to dumb us down and to to make us feel less than a human, you know. Right. And 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 if you think about those terms, why would I call somebody who 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 is similar to me in the same skin complexion or anybody, you know, in in that demeaning way. Uh, so uh, you know, everybody has, is t- entitled to their own opinion. Everybody is uh is you know they want to say what they want to say and feel how they want to feel. But as for me, you know, I'm I'm not I'm not I'm not about that. You know, I'm I'm right. I'm learning to not say the word anymore. I'm learning to not use it. I'm learning to not tolerate it because. You know, if you live back in the you know the early 1900s, or even in the 1950s, you know, or, or in the 1800s, if we were doing that time, you know, it, it, it you would it would it would scar you so much to hear that from somebody. It would it would hurt you so deeply to hear that from somebody and to use it against your own race. And it's it's, it's hard. It's, it's a tough. It's a fine line. It's a it's a very it's a very um it's a very touchy subject. You know, because in one way it can be endearing, or in one way it can be right. extremely, extremely negative. And, and I see both sides of it. You really do, as you pointed out. You do see both sides of it. But and, and I think at the end of the day, it's ultimately a personal decision. But I'm going to go with you. I mean, I, I feel like it's just not something that should be said. 
I mean, I'm, I'm going to add this, especially in mixed company, but it should, it's something that just shouldn't be said, period, point blank. We're talking to Will Allen of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And, Will, you're an Ohio State guy, and right now your Buckeyes are 9-0, and third in the BCS. Do you see them at some point possibly getting in that top two? Absolutely. Um, it's a money game. This BCS game is a money game until the tournament is set up, which will be in the next few years or next year or whenever they're going to put this, this tournament up. It's a money game, and people want to see North versus South. You know, you know, you know, they don't want to see North versus the West. They don't want to see South versus the South anymore. They want to see North versus South and, you know, two traditional heavyweights, Alabama and, and Ohio State. You know, the money that game bringing in from the fan base, from the, you know, from the, from the, the, the lineage those two teams have, you know, it's, it, it'll be a tremendous game, and they'll find some way to get us in, uh, especially after going undefeated last year. If we go undefeated again, so at the end of the day, the powers that be will find a way to make Ohio State a, a part of the BCS championship game. That's what you believe. Absolutely, absolutely. It's too much. It's too much money that that, that they leave out there. Too much money. Too much money. That's my that's my that's my guess. Now, Will, you're doing big things in the community with the Will Allen Foundation. Tell us about this great foundation. Uh, you know, it's, it's something I started in 2008 in Tampa. You know, I was in three high schools there, um, and what, what I started was a, was a after-school program. That's the that's the, the main program that that I do and that I help run is a after-school program called Quest for Real Life Success, and um, it's to help it's to help kids become more proactive about their futures. You know, we we, um, we meet once a week, and uh, we teach we 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 share light and teach the kids from everything from bullying to you know how to handle yourself in the business world to taxes, loans, and credit, and all different types of finances. And um, we teach them about uh, college admissions and you know how to how to how to prepare for the ACT and SAT and how to deal with uh, adversity in life and. You know what's to come. You know what's to come in your future, and and how to how to perceive it, how to look at it, how to handle it, and um, just how to prepare for life after high school. I think you know when I was growing up, you know my parents didn't have the time, and they didn't they didn't really consider, you know what it took, you know, for for me to really be as successful as I could. And I think a lot of parents work, and a lot of parents just expect their kids to naturally kind of morph into this this uh this, this perfect adult or this adult that kind of learns everything on the fly. And, you know, I want I wanted to bridge that gap because we find, we're finding more people in debt. We're finding more people not knowing how to handle, you know, um, life's ups and downs and adversities. And it's because they're not equipped. Um, so I just figured I wanted to help out where I could with the tools and resources that, that are available to me that I can make available to high school students. And uh, so now I'm in Dayton, Ohio, and in Pittsburgh, at North Hills High School in Pittsburgh, and I'm a, I'm a mother at Wayne High School. You know, it's been great. You know, we've been following the kids now for the last three years, and uh, we're going to follow them through through, uh, through the senior year. And um, it's been an awesome program. They also have to know what it means to give back to the community. So we have a community uh, community service projects every month. And some, sometimes these kids, are they come up with initiatives that they want to see a difference in their community, and they have to give back. And uh, that's a very important component to me. Uh, we also have a suit program where we give suits out, to uh to 
to high school students that are going to go to college or college students that are going into the real world or servicemen coming back from uh, from war, you know, and it's called the big play. Uh, so, you know, we do a holiday giving. You know, this year uh, we're gonna we're gonna pay off some families' layaways. You know, we're just gonna go out wow. and help some people who need who need some help. You know, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do a lot more. Go to some orphanages and clothe some kids, give them some shoes and some toys for Christmas, and just try to help people, man, that that, that need that need a leg up, and you know, and not asking for nothing back. People who can't give you anything back, and that's kind of what the that's kind of what the motto of how I live my life, man, is trying to reach out and impact and influence people, you know, um, in, in every way that I can, and people who can't repay you back, because that's 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 when you see the the real the real improvement and um and you see the impact in their life because then they spread that word they they act on that as well and they help people around them so uh it's been good it's been a lot of fun i've had a lot of a lot of a lot of help along the way and it's very encouraging for me and my, my development and uh, um i enjoy it definitely it sounds like you can hear it in your voice you do enjoy giving back to the community where can fans find information about some of the great things going on with the will allen foundation uh, you can go to WillAllenFoundation.com. Uh, dot com. You can go to my Twitter, uh, Will Allen W A S. Uh, you can go to the Facebook, uh, Will Allen W A S. Uh, or you can find me on Instagram at uh, Will Allen W A S. All of us. So there's uh, a lot of places. There. Yeah, a lot of you got places. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and the website. So I'm, I'm all over. You know, you can go you can check me out on YouTube. Just Google my name, Will Allen. Uh, Will Allen Foundation, Will Allen, Ohio State, you know, you'll find all the information you need uh, about how to help out, how to donate, and or, you know, if you want to volunteer or, you know, be a part of what we're doing, anything, it'd be great. Will, pleasure talking to you, man. You're doing some great things in the community. Good luck against the Detroit Lions tomorrow, and let's do this again. Absolutely, absolutely. It was a pleasure talking to you as well. I appreciate it. Take care. All right, take care. Will Allen, safety for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And it was interesting, you know, getting his take on uh, the whole situation with Matt Barnes and, and his use of the N-word. And it's a part of the whole situation with, with Richie Incognito on certain level, on uh, on some level. So uh, it's just, you know, it's just interesting to see how this is going to evolve. I think the reality is, as an African-American you know, hearing the N-word in songs and, and, and music and things of that nature, I think it has desensitized a lot of people to the word. And I know, you know, in some respect, maybe you're trying to, to, to put a positive spin on such a negative word. But I think sometimes in life you can't put positivity on all negativity, if that makes sense. Every negative word can't be spun around and made positive. It, it just can't. Every negative situation, you know, I mean, there's situations that can be turned around, but there's just some words that should not be said, just in my opinion, whether it was an A, whether it was an ER. The N-word should not be said. And I have to add this because this is what I truly believe, especially in mixed company. Just my opinion. Uh, take it for what it for what it is. And going around the National Football League, and we got some big football games tomorrow. Big football games tomorrow, especially what's especially what's going to happen there in Denver and Kansas City. 
where, you know, the 8-1 Broncos and the 9-0 Chiefs, I mean, powerhouses right now in the AFC. And one of those teams is going to be a wild card team. One of those teams is going to be a wild card team. So one of those teams, when it's all said and done, may have to go on the road, will have to go on the road at some point in these playoffs. So this is a big game for that reason. This is a big game for that reason. And I'll tell you why. This game is going to show us who's really real between these two teams. This game is going to show us a lot about the Chiefs and the Broncos. And I'll tell you why in a moment. Second hour of Go For It starts right now. Second hour, go for it, up and popping, on and popping, I should say. Um, in this hour, expect to be joined by a few mothers from Pace Moms, an organization of professional athletes and celebrities and entertainers, mothers. And we're expected to be joined by the mother of Bernard Pollard, the mother of Wade Smith, and also the mother of Torrance Marshall, former NFL player. So it should be interesting talking to them. And we're also we're going to see if we could try – to get Leon on the air, I mean, we, we were supposed to have actor Leon in the first hour. Hopefully we can try to get him on in the second hour, but we'll see. But I want to go back to the Broncos and the Kansas City Chiefs, and you look at these two football teams. As good as their records are, as good as their records are, the question that seems to come up, more so with the Chiefs than the Broncos, but the question that seems to be coming to the forefront a lot of times when we talk about these two football teams is who have they beaten? Who have they beaten? And I'll show you first who the Chiefs have beaten to go nine and up. I'll show you who the Chiefs have beaten to go nine and up. Who have they beaten? The Kansas City Chiefs, 9-0, first place in the AFC West. Let's play the game. Who have they beaten? Well, they started off the year in Jacksonville, beat the Jaguars. Jaguars not a very good football team, although they won their first game last week. They beat the Dallas Cowboys at home, 17-16. Cowboys 5-5. Five not over 500. They're at 500. They're 5-5. Five five. Philadelphia Eagles, they beat 26-16. to 16. And Philadelphia, Andy Reid returns. I look at that particular football game. I watched that game closely. That was a game the Eagles should have won. They shot themselves in the foot. But that's a credit to that Kansas City defense who turns you over, gets pressure on a quarterback, and does what they have to do to be effective. They beat the New York Giants, who is a bad football team. They beat the Tennessee Titans, who's under 500 at this point. Beat the Oakland Raiders, bad football team. Beat the Houston Texans barely beat the Houston Texans. Bad football team. Beat the Cleveland Browns. Bad football team. Barely beat the Browns. And beat the Buffalo Bills, where Alex Smith really was not Alex Smith. Well, Alex Smith hasn't been anything special. He hasn't. 
But you know what Alex Smith has done that has made him effective? It's not the yardage that he's putting up, 1,900 yards. It's not the touchdowns, nine touchdowns. No, it's the, it's the turnover number, four interceptions. So guess what Alex Smith has done throughout the course of this year? He has protected the football. When you have that big-time defense in Kansas City, you need your quarterback. Obviously, you need your quarterback not to beat you, not to make mistakes. And Alex Smith has done that throughout the course of this season. He's done that. I want to look at the Denver Broncos, and I want to ask the question, the 8-1 and Denver Broncos, who have they beaten? Baltimore Ravens, under 500 football team. New York Giants, under 500 football team. Oakland Raiders, under 500 football team. Bronco, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, at 500. Cowboys, at 500. Jacksonville Jaguars, bad football team. Indianapolis Colts, week seven. In Indy, Peyton's return to Indy. Guess what? Broncos lose 39-33 to in Indy. So the first team that they played who was under five, over 500 at this point in the season, they lost. And then they would beat the Washington Redskins, and also they would beat the San Diego Chargers. Who have they beaten? Chargers came into that game at 500. So I think this game, and I say that, who have they beaten? But I think this game is going to show us a lot about these two football teams and let us know who is really real when it comes to these two football teams. When it comes to the Kansas City Chiefs, who's, are you really real? If you have to put up points, can you do it? If you have to put up a bunch of points, can you do it? Can you do it? Because there's going to be times throughout the course of this season where you're going to have to be able to put up points. And I look at the Broncos and I look at the Chiefs, I think a lot of people feel more comfortable with the Broncos, obviously because of Peyton Manning. And obviously because the Broncos have proven that they can put up points when they need to put up points. They can put up points. The Chiefs, we don't know about them. We don't know about Alex Smith in terms of moving the ball consistently down the field. Not the dink and dunk stuff, but the long ball, those deep throws. We have questions when it comes to the deep ball, the deep, deeper throws when it comes to Alex Smith. The Alex Smith I saw, and I, and I watched... The, really, the, the big Dolan Chiefs game that I watched closely was against the Philadelphia Eagles. And when I watched that football game, I wasn't impressed with Alex Smith at all. I wasn't. My question is, who have they beaten? Who have they beaten? That's the question I have. You're listening to Go For It on Block Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Go For It, Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but I just don't see anything in the playoffs, Tom. When the playoffs come, it doesn't mean anything. I was trying to throw, uh, you, you, know I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your, nah. your hopes up. Come on, man. 
I'm a realist <laughs> too, man. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that you know. We know that you can tempt married women. We've seen you. You, you have a pedigree. We see what you can do. We've seen it. I would never bring my wife around to. I, I yeah, just don't know yeah, what you're capable of. Come on now. Come on now. That's all right. That's that rock. That's called butter. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're Thanks. very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. <laughs> so- and we're back. And we're going to bring in a guy now. A guy, actor, singer, do it all. This guy can do it all. He's got a big-time single out, Love is a Beautiful Thing. We're going to bring him in now, actor, singer, lifelong Knicks fan, the one, the only. He only goes by one, one, one name, baby, one name, Leon. Let's bring him in now, Leon. Hey, hey, How are hey. you, man? I'm How here. are you? I'm Thanks good. for joining us. Without a doubt, really busy right now, but I want to take this time to come in and chat with you for sure. Definitely, definitely appreciate that. Now, Leon, as we all know, and you were in the building the other night, Rockets, New York Knicks. First of all, let's talk about it. Was that a four-point play by Melo? Without a doubt. You know, when you, when you come down to that um, situation, you know, players are um, – are addressed and talked about, you they're probably going, there's a good chance they're going to foul you before you can get up a shot, before you can get into the play. And he saw the foul coming when they made the contact. One straight move, he turned around and shot. Lucky. But why <laughs> take the luck away from us? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> why right, take right. the luck away from us? That's all I'm saying. I mean, I, I actually believe that the Rockets deserve to win. I believe they outplayed the Knicks. I believe they, I believe that Parsons and Lynn and, and, and of course, um, my man, my, my, the beauty wonder, did his thing. Harden. And I believe that they, I believe that they I, yeah, James Harden uh, did a great, I mean, they all, they ran their offense. They played very good. They shot well. They deserved to win the game, but we had a chance there at the end that was taken away from us. You know, mm-hmm. you never want to see that, especially in the home arena. Come on, you're a star player. Get fouled and you don't get the call. <laughs> Now I look at the Knicks right now, Leon. I mean, three and five right now, but one and four at the Garden. All in all, obviously Tyson Chandler's out, and that's big. J.R. Smith just getting back and rounding himself back into shape. All in all, what's wrong with the Knicks? Well, it's early, for one thing. I mean, no, no championship is is won in the first six games. Um, I mean, I can even have an argument that the Heat don't even look that great right now compared to right. how they will look. So, yeah, yeah, you know, everybody's great. working out the kinks, you know. If we're going to have injuries, if Chandler's going to be out, but not going to be 100% healthy, this is when I want it to happen, not in April. Right. So, True. you know, I don't, really have a pro- I don't really have a problem with that. I mean, what I do have a problem with is the San Antonio game. Um, okay. You know, when we get totally outplayed and blown out and the game is, is over before the fourth quarter starts. That can't happen especially not at home. I don't care if it's the no, first really. game of the season or last game of the season. So there's those kind of losses and stuff. But, we, you know, there's nothing to even learn from. There's no film to even watch to learn anything from when you get blown out like that. Right, right. <laughs> it, we look at the Knicks, and, and let's talk about on a small scale, first of all. You have Brooklyn, the Brooklyn Nets. First of all, 
are the Knicks the best team in New York City? Um, right now they are. Okay. Both teams are three and five. Yeah, right now they are. Yeah, I mean, and uh, but you know that's not you know that's not saying much because neither one of the teams is very good right now. <laughs> right, very true. <laughs> and last I heard, they don't give out any trophies for the Kings of New York. <laughs> that's true. Well, it depends who you talk to. <laughs> right. <laughs> but look at it this way. Let's look at it this way. I always said, coming into the season, to me, the way I looked at this NBA season, it was about who could beat the Heat in a seven-game series. And when I looked at it, I said, A, the Pacers, and I said, B, the Brooklyn Nets. And, and looking at it that way, do you think the Knicks, even, when they, even if they turn this whole thing around, can beat the Miami Heat in a seven-game series? Um, unfortunately, no. Um, unfortunately, the Knicks will only go as far as we talk about a championship run as um, Amari Stoudemire's game progresses and his health progresses, plain and simple. Right. I mean, you look at any team that is challenging for a championship, you know, has at least two all-stars on the team. True. At least two all-stars. And the whole Carmelo trade, was structured for that, for him to come here, to join forces with Amari Stoudemire, to build a team around them, and for them to challenge for a championship. That has not happened. I mean, they have probably not played together, really together, any more than maybe a dozen games. So right. that that whole scheme, you know, is, has not worked out at all. So, you know, I think they'll be good. I think there's a lot of talent. Um, of course, Carmelo is a major talent, um, and the whole team as a whole can really work out and get 55 wins, you know, if they play the kind of ball they did last year. But when you get into the playoffs, you know, you've got to have, you know, those guys that can make a difference. And, Definitely. you know, with us having, you know, that, you know, that one star, I just don't know if we have enough to get us over the hump. I mean, you look at the teams that challenge for the championship. You know, you're talking about Miami with at least three all-stars. You're talking about right. San Antonio with at least three all-stars. You're talking about Indiana now with at least two all-stars. Um, same thing with um, Chicago, you know, all these right. teams. So, I mean, you've got to, you know, you need, that, you need that play, and that was the way the team was structured. So don't really know what's going to happen. Um, you just got to see, you know, what Amari Steinmeier can give us. Now, if, if, if you're banking on Amari Stoudemire, I think at this point, I, I don't think he's going to give you any much more than he has, for the most part. I mean, injuries, it's sad, because Amari is an ultra-talented basketball player, but injuries have robbed him of, of what he was and what he could be. So I don't know if you're ever going to get anything in terms of Amari Stoudemire, which leads me into my next question. There's a lot of trade rumors around the Knicks, Amon Shumpert for Kenneth Fareed out in Denver. Right now you look at the Knicks, 29th in rebounding. A part of that is Tyson Chandler is out. But would you be okay with moving Amon Shumpert and getting a Kenneth Fareed of the Denver Nuggets? I like Shepard, and, um, and I really would like to keep him. Um, I wouldn't be opposed to it because – at the guard position is where we are the deepest. Okay. And, True. you know, it's one thing we can afford to lose a guard 
um, um, on the Knicks because we're very deep and we have guys that maybe could even step up in there that don't even get a chance to play at this particular moment. So, um, like Hardaway Jr. and right. definitely is not it was definitely not bashful. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so, and you know, when that's the one thing with Shepard, we're in, is Shepard needs to stop making shots. I think he's shooting slightly under forty percent, and he, you know, he needs to stop making shots. You know, and if he's going to be a starter in the NBA, and especially in the two guard position. You you can't be out there and, and have a single point average unless you're some kind of defensive specialist where you lock down the other team's two guard, which is the most talented position in the NBA. So you're not locking down anybody. <laughs> right, right. You're, like you said, you're locking down one of the better guys, better players in the game when it comes to guarding that mm-hmm. shooting guard position. So I mean, yeah. you look at the Knicks as we're talking to actor, singer Leon. Looking at the Knicks now, moving forward. You said that you believe they can turn this thing around. If they don't turn this thing around, let's just go on the premise that they don't turn this thing around. Does Mike Woodson survive? Wow. You know, that's, it's, it's hard in <laughs> to know whether, you know, he will survive or not. Um, chances are he may not, especially if it's pressure-packed city like New York City. But he should. Right. He should. I think it personally takes at least three years to four years for a, a coach to really get his system implemented with the players that he needs to move forward. And, okay. you know, yeah, I mean, that's just the reality of it. And when he doesn't have that, he never really got a chance to accomplish anything. Um, right. Lots of time coaches don't get that because they're just under the pressure to win now. But um, that's really what a coach needs. Now, let's just say also, let's just say this whole thing falls apart. Uh, Mike Woodson, let's just say he goes. Let's just say now, Carmelo Anthony, who has said that he will opt out, does Melo come back to the situation in New York if the Knicks are a team on a decline? Does he go elsewhere? I mean, L.A. is probably going to have some cap space. That, I mean, and that could be an opportunity for him to ultimately reunite or, or play with LeBron, not necessarily reunite. Well, reunite because they did play with each other during the Olympics. But that would give him that opportunity. If this thing falls apart, will Melo come back to the New York Knicks? Well, like this is that Melo saying that he want, uh, looking forward to free agency was stupid. Was <laughs> <laughs> just a stupid statement to make. I mean, because if you know anything about the NBA free agency and stuff like that, of course he's looking forward to being a free agent because he'll make the most money that way, even if the Knicks re-sign him. Right. So I mean, that's just a business decision. I would say, yeah, of course he should. He should definitely, you know, be a free agent so he can get signed for the most amount of money. Yes. But you don't say that and cloud the whole season about whether you're coming back or not. It's unnecessary. Sure. And I also sure. think that with all that's gone on with, you know, the decision, and then Dwight Howard and everything else, that a lot of these players, especially Melo, should learn from these situations, you know what I'm saying? And say, yeah, okay, I'm yeah. not talking about this. I'm going to go take care of the mission at hand. I already know what I'm going to do at the end of the year, so why even put a cloud over the team and have them be talking about that instead of basketball? Makes that makes no sense. So I, 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 I wish he had never made that. That was just dumb to even make that statement. So now, if the team is on a decline, team has no cap space, 
like that, yeah. I mean, it may be a very intelligent decision for him to leave, but to go to L.A. to play with LeBron, that why? That makes no sense. I mean, for one, why, why did LeBron go to L.A.? LA you well, know what I'm saying? I mean, that makes well, no it, sense. I mean, I mean, it, it, listen, listen in, in the basketball sense, LeBron is bigger than L.A. right now. L.A. needs LeBron more than LeBron needs L.A. That's fair. Okay? And now he's in a city, a popular destination place like Miami, where he's building his own legacy. True. Where he's going to be remembered as the player of that franchise. Now you want to go to the L.A. Lakers, where the greatest of all times have played, and, and, and what, just, just try to be part of that? He doesn't need to be part of that. He, I mean, he's sure. done what, you know, a lot of players want to do, you know, try to create their own legacy someplace. So that doesn't make any sense. I would love to see LeBron go back to Cleveland personally, but I don't know if that's going to happen. But that, well, that's that, something. That would be nice. Yeah, that yeah, would that'd be nice. Be nice. Be, they got a he got a hell of a point guard down there. True, very much so. Very much so. So that's well, if man, I want to well, see LeBron go anywhere. Definitely. If I want to see him go anywhere, I want him to see him go to Cleveland. We're talking to actor, singer Leon. Now, Leon. Let's switch gears to the NFL. I was talking, before we had you on, I was talking about the Chiefs and the Denver Broncos. This, to me, looking at this particular football game, this, to me, is going to show me a lot about these two particular, two, these particular teams. You look at these two teams, the Broncos 8-1, and one, you look at the Chiefs 9-0, and oh, but the question I have, who have they beaten? And you look at the Broncos, the team that they played that was over 500 was the Indianapolis Colts, and they lost. You look at the Kansas City Chiefs, they have not beaten any team that is currently over 500. So to me, this is going to tell us a lot about those two football teams. Your thoughts? Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. It's going to tell us a lot about these teams. We're, at, we're past the midseason point. Um, the Broncos, who have one loss, but definitely have shown um, you know, some, some um, problems on the defensive end especially. Um, we're yeah. also getting into uh, the colder part of the year where Peyton Manning has traditionally, you know, had a much weaker season than in the first part of his seasons in every every um, year of his career. He's not played well in the cold. So um, as far as Kansas City is concerned, you know, all you can ever ask a team, and they'll tell you that on the college level or anything else, you know, and no matter if, if they're supposed to beat someone and they do it, you can't ask anymore. Sure. I mean, they didn't make, they didn't make the schedule. And if anything, I think this schedule favors them and makes them great because, listen, if you were playing in the NFL or any other um, conference, right, wouldn't you hope that your first half of your season was a lighter schedule so that sure. you can get ready and get progressively better for the, for the latter part? Right, the tougher part. You're right. So I think, I think I'm, like, I'm looking at them going, wow, this is great because now <laughs> we're gelling just what we want to gel. Right. I After five saying. weeks, the second half of the season, I mean, come on. You couldn't write a better script. We just had great. We'll, we, just, we, just went, we just went eight and no in preseason. <laughs> it's, we'll see what happens. I mean, but I just think we're going to learn a lot tomorrow. We're going to see who is really real. Are the Chiefs yeah. really real? Are the Broncos really real? And I think that we'll have that opportunity tomorrow as they clash tomorrow. Leon, let's go to your music now, man. You're doing some big things now. Leon and the Peoples, you've got a big-time single out right now. Love is a beautiful thing. Tell us about 
this hot single, Leon? Love is a beautiful thing. Um, you know, our new single for my band, Leon and the Peoples, um, it dropped last Tuesday. And um, it's a song about love, you know, about real love, you know, not the kind of love that you have for your girlfriend or, or your wife or the person you slob on the same pillow with it, and then you don't talk to after you stop going out. That's not love. Love is like the kind of love you have for your mother, your brother, your sister, your friend. You don't always like them. Sometimes you can't stand them, but you always sure. love them. You know, and it's like that, that everlasting love. So it's, um, that's what Love is a Beautiful thing is about. It's, um, you know, it's thought-provoking because it takes you through some situations as well. And if people like it, you know, I was lucky enough to play it for um, Jimmy Buffett. And he just started okay. singing it back to me, saying he loved it. And uh, so he asked me, could he have the exclusive on his radio station to debut it? So they've been running and it's been going great. Wow. Now, you were a bit, you're a big-time actor and, you know, I, I'm a big-time fan of a lot of your work. Did you find it harder for you to, to try to make people to take you serious as a musician, as a singer? Um, you know, it's really funny. Um, but, yes, of course. But it's, it's so funny because when people do other things, right, and they, they start or try to act, people always take them seriously. They just base it on how good of an actor they are. But it's right. funny, when an actor wants to do anything else, it's almost like, what are you doing? You can't do that. Oh, we know why you're doing that, because they like you because you're a famous actor. It's like, really? <laughs> <'Cause> actors, <laughs> so if you act, you can only do one thing. But if you do other things, you can, you can act. What is that about? <laughs> <laughs> I never understood that. And if people knew how we trained as actors, in fact, when you go to a full curriculum like I went to, you know, you do okay. scene studying in the morning, you do dance or the jazz, really, and you, and, you do, and, you, and you do voice. And so many actors you know are singers. You know, right. they, some of them sing on the corner in Times Square and stuff like that. But the thing <laughs> is, no, no, what happens is that acting jumped off first. It's like for some okay. people, singing jumps off first. Sometimes some people, theater jumps off first, and that's what they wind up becoming known for. Right. Yeah, so you know, just this day because someone acts well on the screen, that's their only talent. It's funny that you said that as well, because I had uh, Carl Anthony Payne on the show a few weeks back, and he said the same thing in terms of guys getting out of their box and people putting people in boxes. And it's kind of interesting that you said that, because it's kind of the same thing. We're putting you in that actor's box, and you're saying, well, that's the only thing, that's the first thing that jumped off, so... I had to fit in, get in where I fit in, pretty much. Yeah, but it, and it wasn't, it wasn't even so much it was first thing that, um, that jumped off of me because that's the first thing that was supposed to jump off of me because, you know, I trained to be an actor and went out and pursued it. So, um, but, you know, the funny thing with me is that, and, and, and people have actually even said it to me, if there was any actor that you could see singing, I think I'd probably be at the top of the list. Right. <laughs> right? I would agree with you. I would agree with you. I would agree with you. I mean, I saw your Temptations the movie, and you were very, very believable. So, so yeah. I see it. Well, I'm glad you see it. it. Now I want you to listen to it. <laughs> definitely, definitely. And uh, hopefully everybody else will listen to it. Where can fans find information on, on how to get a hold uh, of this big-time single, Love is a Beautiful Thing? Well, I mean, it's easy. You just go to all any musical outlets, especially iTunes, and it's right there. Just look for um, Love is a Beautiful Thing by Leon and the Peoples. That's Peoples with okay. people with an S. And, or you can go to our website, which is um, leonandthepeoples.com. 
Leon.net, or you can go to my website, which is JustLeon.com, JustLeon.com. And just, you know, all the information is right there, and you, you know, you, you soon you better be inspired right off the website as well. And, and the video is coming out, uh, I believe, next week. Okay. So, yeah, we're just doing it, and, and then we released our, you know, reggae remix because, you know, we're a reggae soul band. Okay. So, yeah, you know, just, just giving you some good, feel-good music, you know what I'm saying? So there's a lot of great things going on with Leon and the People's Fans. Make sure you go to the website, leonandthepeoples.net, and support some of the great things going on with Leon and the Peoples. Leon, pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck moving forward. Let's do this again. Anytime, man. I got a few movies coming out next year, so we can do it anytime one of them comes out. Okay, definitely. All right. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Leon, actor, singer, Leon support some of the great things going on with Leon. He has a lot of great things going out right now. A lot of people are excited uh, about his music, which is which is a good thing. Good thing for him. Great thing for him. Great, great thing. You're listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Go For It. Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but that doesn't see mean it. anything in the playoffs time. When the playoffs come, <laughs> it doesn't true. mean anything. I was uh, trying to throw you. you know I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your nah. your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist <laughs> too, man. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that you know. We know that you can kept married women. We've seen you. You, you have a pedigree. <laughs> We see what you can do. We seen it. I would never bring my wife around to. I just don't know what you're Come capable of. Come on now. Come on now. That's early. That's not Rocky. That's called butter. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. We're going to continue to make it fun, continue to talk sports, and have a good time doing it. Pleasure being joined by Leon. Uh, Broke it down, New York Knicks. Um, I don't see the Knicks. I always looked at it. I think the the Brooklyn Nets have a better opportunity to beat the Miami Heat. And obviously, I believe the Pacers, who are 9-0 at this point, have an opportunity to beat the Miami Heat. Will they beat the Miami Heat? I guess is another story. But they can beat the Miami Heat. And I want to finish up with the Broncos and Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, this is a game that's going to tell us a lot about it. It's, you know, big-time offense against a big-time defense. And usually a big-time defense usually beats a big-time offense. Will that be the case this time around? Will the big-time defense handle that big-time offense? But I think one thing is clear. One, one thing is clear. The Kansas City Chiefs have to keep up with their recipe. That recipe is... Alex Smith protecting the football, Jamal Charles running the football, and that defense, that defense, that formidable defense doing big-time things. That is what the Chiefs, that's their formula. That's the recipe. Alex Smith thinking of Duncan. Tomba Ali and those boys doing big-time things on the defensive side of the football. And ultimately, ultimately, turning teams over, and Jamal Charles 
having a big time, big time success on the ground game. Those are the formulas. That's the recipe for the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll see if that recipe will be good enough to beat the Denver Broncos. Because the Denver Broncos, one thing you know about the Broncos, they're going to score points. They're going to score a lot of points. And we'll see how many points they actually will score. But they're going to score points. When we come back, we're going to be joined by a few women representing Pace Moms. We're going to be joined by them. We're going to talk about Pace Moms and some of the great things Pace Moms are doing in the community. You're listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio. Okay. Hey, what up? It's Corey Almeida, a.k.a. Corey Live, host of Picturica on the Hub and warm-up host for American Idol and Dancing with the Stars. And right now, you are listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio with my man, Paulie G. and Jeremy. Get it! Thank you, sir. You got it, brother. Have a good one, man. And we're back. Um, in a moment, we're going to be, like I said, we're going to be joined by... Pace Moms, and again, this is an organization um, made up of uh, mothers of athletes, celebrities, and entertainers. So we're going to talk to them about some of the great things going on that they're doing in the community, and it's going to be interesting to get their take. What I'm interested to get their take also is on, you know, you look at football nowadays, and, and you look at player safety and how important that is, and you look at some of the issues that some players are having, after football, you know, some of the issues that they're having after football with the various brain injuries and things of that nature. So I, I want to get, you know, kind of their take on on that and what is being done by Roger Goodell and being done by uh, the players itself, the Players Association, Roger Goodell, and everybody associated with the NFL. So we're going to bring them in now. We're going to bring them in now. We're going to bring in uh, Gloria Thomas, the mother of ex-NFL player Torrance Marshall, excuse me. We're going to bring in Regina Rushing, excuse me, uh, the mother of Bernard Pollard. And we're also going to bring in Sheila Smith, the mother of Wade Smith, who plays for the Houston Texans. Let's bring them in now. Hello. This is Ladies. Hi. Hi. How are you? Thanks for joining us. Fine. Thanks for having us. Now, let's talk about the organization. PACE is an organization excuse me, comprised of mothers of professional athletes and celebrities. Tell us about this organization. Any of you can, can step up and answer. Tell us about the organization PACE. Well, PACE is um, a nonprofit organization that consists of the mothers of professional athletes, celebrity okay. entertainers, and we're both current and retired uh, players. Um, okay. our, our plan is to establish and impl- implement an organizational goal. We like to create an initiative and invest in programs committed to improving the health and education of our children. And um, we assist children through charitable events, various programs, while uh, educating both the child and the parent. And that's a little bit about PACE. Now, your motto is helping children see the world. What do you guys do to make that happen? Well, you can take that in different ways, helping children see the world. 
okay? We started out, and there are so many kids that don't have computers, don't get exposed to plays, and when we say that, we think about uh, helping children. Like you can be sitting at your computer, which we um, helped to bring some computers, a printer, to a, a school in Fort Worth, Texas, so that the kids can have access to different things. Um, we organize certain events uh, so that our our model, helping children see the world, would be more or less exposing children to things okay. that they haven't been exposed to or some that have been exposed to them. And we're just, um, you know, uh, how to uh, endorsing. It. Right. But we started out with helping children see the world. We wanted to implement a program with sight so that we can okay. get um, different uh, eyeglass exams, which we're still working on. Uh, okay. We work on different health aids and different little things like that. So in any kind of way, if you take a child to a play that has never been there, that's the world to them. You know, right. they they never been there. They may never get a chance to go there, and we do different things like that. So at the end of the day with you guys, it, it, it's really about exposure and exposing kids to uh, other things, the other side of life. I mean, some kids don't get to see the other side, the, like you said, the plays and things of that nature. Correct. Now, in terms of athlete's mother, there is a perception, and in your opinion, what is the perception of Mothers of professional athletes. Let's start with you, Regina. What is the perception in your mind of mothers of professional athletes? Um, my perception is that we're just like any other mom. Um, we're very much mothers down to earth. Um, we enjoy things like everyone else. Um, we go places and do things just like a normal mom would. Okay. That's my okay. perception because that's what I do as a mother of a um a professional um, football player. I, I I live my life just like I did before my son was a professional football player. Mama Smith? Um, yes. Um, I, it, it is an everyday routine for me. I get up, I go to work. I, You know, you got to survive. And so my son is a professional athlete, but he has his own family that he has to take care of. So, um, you know, it, every day is, just, you know, we have the same challenges that any other mother has. You know, we give our opinions to our son, but they are adults, and they're going to make up their minds. They can listen, but they'll make up their minds on how they want to do and raise their children. <laughs> we raise them, and, you know, life goes on once they're out of the nest. Mama Thomas. Yeah, well, I have to ditto that. We're the same. I'm the same old mama that I was to a bunch of kids while my kids were growing up, and I was fortunate enough to have a, a kid that excelled and went a step farther. But I always, every day, I do the same thing like other moms do. I just have a little bit more knowledge of how the system works and what it takes to get to where you are, and I try to share that with kids whenever I get a chance. We're talking to Pace Moms, Gloria Kettles Thomas, the mother of ex-linebacker Torrance Marshall. We're talking to Regina Rushing, the mother of Bernard Pollard of the Houston Texans, not the Houston Texans, the Tennessee Titans. And we're also talking to Sheila Smith, the mother of Wade Smith of the Houston Texans. And I've got to ask you guys this. We look at football. It's a very violent game. 
how difficult is it for you guys to watch your sons play football week in and week out? Let's start with you, Mama Smith. Well, I tell you the truth. Um, when he first his first national football game, I think I was more watching to see who was hitting him than I could keep up with what was going on on the field. <laughs> so. I kind of missed a little bit of the game, but, uh, you know, you're always wanting to make sure that they're going to get up after every play and uh, keep going. So, you know, there are big guys out there crashing, being on the O-line. That makes you're right in the thick of everything on every right. play just about. So it's a challenge. <laughs> I've gotten Mama better, rushing. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay, as for me, um, before each game, my son and I, Bernard, we pray before each game, and okay. that, that has made it a lot easier. Um, he call in for prayer, even if I'm there at the game or at the hotel. Um, you know, on his way in, he calls in, and, and we just we pray. And I, I pray for um, that the Lord will cover them, not just my son, um, because I'm a mom. Yes, I, you know, I'm concerned about my son. But I pray for every young man that is out there, including the coaches, the refs, I play that they're all covered because anyone could be injured. And right. so as a mother, you don't want anyone hurt. And Definitely. my son is a, a hard hitter, so I, I pray that, that he's covered and that, you know, whomever he hits or whoever get hit, that they're covered, <laughs> you know, whether it's my son hitting them or he's getting hit or any other young man out there. I mean, they're all under the prayer. They're all covered. And, right. and I feel a lot better even watching it. I, many times I have to bow my head and just go in prayer again, like, oh, God, please. You know, but, it, you know, so it, it's, I'm a prayer mom, just like the rest of them. Now, you talked about your son, Bernard Powell, and Bernard Powell is a very, very physical player. He's very physical. Are there times you say, Bernard, you know what? You need to, you need to tone it down a little bit. I don't need you to be out here trying to get yourself hurt or others hurt. No, I don't, because that's his passion. He loves right. what he does. Um, when Bernard is out on the field, he is a totally different guy. I mean, that's what he does. I mean, he, he lives for that. He breathes for that, um, the football. He enjoys what he does. Um, at the end of the day, he's just like any other typical um, young man, a, a father, a, a husband, a son, a brother, a uncle. I mean, he, he's just like any other man. I mean, he's just a different guy when he comes off of the field. He's just a, he's so gentle. He, I, it's totally different. But when it's when it's on, you know, when football, he has his game face on. It's on and popping. <laughs> Mama Gloria. <laughs> well, I'm a very aggressive mom, and I'm very rowdy. You know, okay. so um, like I, uh, like what uh, Miss Regina said, I always pray, and I usually pray for everyone. But after that, when those jets fly over, it gets me going, and I'm ready. <laughs> and I let my son know, if you can't do it, I'll come do it for you. You know, okay, and okay. I'm, I'm not one of those that um, – I'm just very rowdy, very aggressive, and we happen to be on the defense side of the ball. So I think it's a, for me, I think it's a little bit easier because my son is the one that's giving the lick. But right. I, I also like the game. I guess I don't look at it as be getting hurt because I do have faith that okay. um, God will cover them and. 
I just think football is a fun game. I think that uh, we should enjoy the game just as we started when they were little and you would take their pants around their waist and they would run off with the ball and they would be running fast. I think the passion that I have for the game helps me to watch the game. I okay. love the game of football. So, therefore, okay. I have fun watching it. Now, a big thing in today's NFL is player safety. I, I want to start with you, Mama Gloria. You're the mother of former player Torrance Marshall. Mama Gloria, at this point, how is Torrance, Torrance's health after playing football? Are you concerned about his health moving forward? Um, at one point I had some concerns about it. Uh, Torrance is uh, almost 37 now. So, uh, and I'm sure that he will feel some of the pains because I have an ex-brother-in-law that also played in the league, and we tease him all the time about, uh, boy, we'll know when it's going to rain because you go to hopping, you know, <laughs> and uh, we tease about that. But I am concerned about all the the rules that I think that they're bringing in that are okay. causing a lot of injuries. Um, okay. uh, if you think about it, when we played football, I think they could have had, you know, better helmets, um, uh, things like that. Uh, I am concerned about the health in the long run because I am beginning to see more of it. Um, okay. You know, sometimes seeing your son uh, the next day after a game, um, you're barely moving, and I remember him telling me sometimes taking every lick is like getting hit with a baseball bat. And, you, wow. and that's why some of the careers are so shortened is because uh, these young men take a lot of punishment. They do. Um, I think that a lot of the rules have them taking more punishment simply because people are trying to avoid certain things. Right. And, you know, that's just like you walking on water. And on the floor, if you just walk straight through it, you just go straight through it. But then if you're so careful about it, you may slip. You know, right. that's just my opinion. Now, Mama Smith, your son Wade Smith is currently playing in the National Football League, but are you concerned about the afterlife uh, in terms of his health, in terms of his the, the concussions and things of that nature? Um, of course, you know, as a parent, you're always going to be concerned that when he gets done and retired, um, this is his 11th season, so he's been out there for a while. And, you know, for an old lineman, you know, typically I believe they say they average about five years, so he's been going uh, quite a bit longer. So, um, you know, I'm not sure when he, you know, I guess when his body tells him it's time to stop, he'll stop. But in the meantime, you know, I just sit back. I enjoy watching him play, and, you know, I'm always telling him how proud of him, win or lose. I mean, uh, uh, the diehard fans, we realize that these guys, they put a lot out there on the field. And, of course, they want to win every game, but, you know, that just doesn't happen. (laughs) I think there's only one team that had a perfect season. So it was my Dolphins, and that's hard to do. Um, and, you know, sometimes it's one play here or there, but, you know, they're giving it their all. I mean, they, after a game, I'm sure they're all tired and spent. They're not standing on the side saying, well, I'm not going to try too hard because I don't want to get hurt. I mean, they're out there <laughs> playing. And so I love football, just like Larry said. When football season's over, I go through withdrawal. You know, okay. it's, it's a, it's a break. <laughs> you get a break. It's kind of like a little vacation. From watching, of course, the guys get a break, but, 
you know, it's still it's it's a sport that a lot of Americans love, and you know, we we when those four months are gone, I mean, they just fly by. But they do. you know, yeah, but we enjoy watching the game, and of course, their safety is our number one concern. But you have to kind of put that out of your mind. I did learn to do that and actually enjoy the game. <laughs> okay. So, but, yes, yeah, so it, it's, it's a game, and it's a battle. And any time anyone's on the field hurt, we're all concerned. Mothers, fans, we all get concerned, and that's why when the guys get up, everybody cheers for them, whether it's an opponent or not, because right. we only want the best for these guys. And now Mama Regina, mother of Bernard Power, same question to you in terms of, after football, like like I said before, you're seeing a lot of players suffering from brain injuries and things of that nature. Do you have concerns after football for Bernard Pollard? Yes, just like any other mom, and the other moms have already said. Um, yes, I, I'm concerned, you know, in reference to my son, because he is a hard hitter. And um, definitely after every game, he feels it. Because, like the other mother said, they go out and they put 100% plus um, in in every game. Every game is important. And it's almost like it's an individual thing because they're playing at their own individual level. And so they expect the best even out of themselves. So sometimes I feel that he's even harder on himself. And he plays, since he has such a passion, he plays it as if if it is is his last game. He plays very hard, and and he pays for it in his body. Um, Even he played, um, I mean, you know, he, he played many games with broken ribs. His ribs were broken. He went to the championship. Even, thank God, when he was with the Ravens, they did win the championship. Um, but he had he had broken ribs entering into the game, yeah. but he refused not to play. So he played throughout the whole game with the broken ribs, re-broken some of them because they never they never healed because he never right. took the time to allow them to heal properly. So these guys they they go in and they they continue they do what they do because of the passion. Um, and and there's no money that you can put on on that because you know after football they do have a life. And they have families, you know, many of them are husbands, they're fathers, you know, so they have a family. And, and, you know, my concern, I want my son to be some good to his children, his wife. And, you know, of course, you know, for the family's sake, you know, I I don't want him to be crippled or any other young man. So, yes, we have concerns. And and, and I have to agree with um, Ms. Gloria. I feel like a lot of the, the rules, the things that they've been playing this for uh, however many years they've been playing football. I have no idea. They've been playing it for a lot of years. Long they time. were trained, you know, they were trained to, to do what they do. Now you've got to untrain these guys. It's, it's hard. How do you stop, uh, you know, when you're up in the air, how do you stop from hitting someone? You're already there. How do you, you can't do it. I mean, it, it, it's, it's really impossible. And I think with them trying to change a lot of things, they are injuring others, as well as themselves. True. We're talking to a few Pace moms, Gloria Kettles-Thomas, the mother of former NFL player Torrance Marshall. We're talking to Regina Rushing, the mother of Titan safety Bernard Pollard. And we're also talking to Sheila Smith, the mother of Houston Texans Wade Smith. Guys, ladies, I should say, where can we find information about some of the great things going on with Pace moms? 
We have a website. It's uh, org. You can find us there. You can also find us on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash thepacemoms. And um, we're also on Twitter, the same uh, handle, the Pace Moms, And just put the in front of the Pace Moms, P-A-C-E-M-O-M-S. And okay. you can find all of our information there. We're in the process of updating our website, so hopefully we have some, a new exciting website for everyone to take a look at, donate to us as we uh, travel this journey as to help the kids and give uh, various functions. Definitely. Ladies, it was a pleasure talking with you. We wish you guys nothing but the best of luck moving forward. Let's do this again. Thank you. Sure. Thanks for having us. Take care. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Pace Moms, talking about some of the great things going on uh, with their organization, Pace, Pace Moms. And it's interesting talking to, to the mothers of NFL players. I mean, it's interesting because if, 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 you know, as a father of two, if my son was out there playing football, it would be difficult. It would be difficult to watch. Definitely because of the physicality of the game, because of some of the things that's happening to a lot of these guys after football. But it was a pleasure talking to these lovely mothers, Pace Moms, support the organization. Make sure you go to www.thepacemoms.com. And also you can follow them on Twitter. Follow them on Twitter as well at www. Make sure you follow these, uh, these lovely ladies on Twitter with the Pace Moms and some of the great things they got going on there. I mean, they're doing some things. Also follow them at the Pace Moms, and that's on Twitter, at the Pace Moms. So support some of the great things going on with the Pace Moms. About another few moments left in the show. Uh, we look at some of the things going on in and around the National Football League, some of the things left we talk about some of the great things going on in the National Football League. And, you know, you look at this league now. I mean, the NFL is a week-to-week league. And, you know, some, sometimes we think we have this whole thing figured out. Other times we know we don't have this thing figured out. And so it's an interesting thing when you watch the National Football League. It's just so interesting to see some of the great things going on in the National Football League and just some of the things that, that's happening week to week. I mean, you look at the Indianapolis Colts last week, they get beat, blown out by the St. Louis Rams, and they messed me up with my suicide pool. Mess it up. Kick me out of the suicide pool. But it's just the nature of the NFL. And I look at the Indianapolis Colts right now, a team that, you know, after they beat Denver, this is a team that's had some struggles. I mean, they were able to beat the Broncos in a big-time performance. But after beating the Broncos, you look at this football team, they've had some struggles. I mean, you know, ultimately they were able to squeak by the Tennessee Titans. Ultimately they were able to squeak by the Houston Texans. But it caught up to them last week against the St. Louis Rams. They had no business losing to the St. Louis Rams. And you look at the Colts moving forward, you wonder what exactly they are. What exactly is this team all about? Because this is a team, again, that's had some struggles, inferior opponents. They had some struggle against inferior opponents, and ultimately they're able to win the game, and that's all that matters at the end of the day. But it's a struggle getting there. 
And you can't play that way moving forward. You can't play that way as you go to the playoffs because everybody in the playoffs are better. Everybody in the playoffs are much better. The teams are better. So your margin for error is totally different. You can't continue to to get down in the first half. I mean, down what, 17-6 at halftime uh, against the Tennessee Titans? You can't continue to do that and think that you're going to have success. It's not going to happen for you moving forward. You can't continue to lose those type of games and think that you're going to have success. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. So I'm interested, you know, even after seeing the Colts beat the Broncos and even after seeing the Colts beat the Seahawks and the 49ers, I truly don't know what they are at this point. I don't know what they are. I have my questions about what they are. They're a good football team, but do they have the consistency to be that type of team that's going in the playoffs, going to be able to go into, they're probably either going to have to go to Denver or Kansas City. Are you able to go into one of those buildings? Well, we pro- you've proven that you can't go into San Francisco and beat the 49ers. You've proven that. But are you going to be able, are you going to be able with the type of inconsistency excuse me, that you guys have been playing with over the past few weeks, are you going to be able to play with the level of consistency necessary to get to that next level, to get to a Super Bowl? Because that's what it's about with the Colts at this point. They were able to get into the playoffs last year, but you knew they were not going to the Super Bowl. Ultimately, ultimately, this year is different. It was different. And ultimately, they will lose to the Ravens in the playoffs. And you knew they were going to lose. But this year is different. This year is different. I think a lot of people are expecting the Colts now to take that next step. And that next step, to many, is the Super Bowl. When you beat Seattle, when you beat San Francisco, when you beat the Denver Broncos, beating three of the best teams in football, when you beat those type of teams, people are expecting more from you. People are expecting more from you. So we'll see. We'll see what the Colts are truly all about. And we'll see. I think they're going to win the AFC South. AFC South is not good. They're going to win the AFC South. But from there, what's going to happen with the Colts when it comes down to the playoffs? What is going to happen with the Indianapolis Colts. Should be very interesting moving forward. Quickly before we get out of here, Kobe Bryant said that if it was the playoffs, he would be playing. He would be playing if it was the playoffs. And he's still, as he says, he's still improving from his Achilles injury. Um, and again, he said if it was the playoffs, he says he's ahead of schedule. And he felt like if it was the playoffs, he would still play. He would be able to play at this point. So Kobe must be close, and we'll see when Kobe comes back. He probably, probably going to come back around Christmas. Might even come back on Christmas. I wouldn't be surprised that Kobe Bryant comes back on Christmas. Will it be the same player? Will it be a better player? Will it be a different player? 
Only time will tell that one. But we'll see about Kobe Bryant. Also, quickly, before we get out of here, as we go around the beautiful world of sports, and we all love sports, as we go around the beautiful world of sports, quickly, before we get out of here, you have Winston from the um, Florida State. You know, you had the rape charges, possibly, or, or a rape investigation. You look at it, sexual assault, I should say. Um, attorney is going to step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VDW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.